0: Welcome to the Ecobot Podcast, where we dive into what matters most for 21st century wetland scientists and continue in our journey in respect to the convergence of wetland science and technology. I'm your host, Jeremy Shavey, and on today's episode, we'll hear further from our panelists from episode 19, Erica Pragandi from SEH, Chris Fleming from BDY Environmental, and Jennifer Herrera from ESE Partners as they answer questions about their workflow and the amazing suite of tools that they're using. Let's get right to the questions.
1: I wanted to kick us off with a general question here. So, you know, we've, we've heard, you know, some various levels of granularity in respect to all's workflow. What I'd love to hear from each of you, and maybe we'll uh, go in the same order that we started. So let's uh, start with Erica, but. What do you appreciate most about this new data ecosystem for wetlands in the suite of tools that you're using and that your company has adopted?
2: I really love having everything at my fingertips from being able to look up a certain soil profile to what the indicator of a certain plant is, you know. Five years ago, it was like you had a backpack that was like 40 pounds of all your books, you know, your soil stuff, your plant books, your keys, your um, plant keys, your Army Corps of Engineers plant list. And so now it's like really just having everything at the palm of your hand. You don't have to stop and put your bag down and get all your stuff out and figure out what page it's on. So even just the efficiencies in that way has just been great. I mean, my backpack is like a quarter of, uh, you know, basically just holds my water and some snacks now, (laughs) but it's been great for that as far as just really being seamless and having all the tools that you need right at your fingertips. And I don't think that somebody that hadn't, been doing delineations for as long as Jeremy has, would have been able to really understand what exactly we need when we're out in the field and how to make it as easy as
1: possible. Great. Thanks, Erica. Jennifer, you want to add to that?
3: Yeah, I I really appreciate, you know, as Erica was saying, the, the seamless, you know, how everything is brought together, you know, whatever you need. To me, I, I really appreciate the surety that I have, you know, that's like, Meeting client expectations, working efficiently and quickly, but still gathering quality data. Still, you know, tr- under being able to like look at the site, you know, gather all the information that you need to make good calls out in the field. Make sure that you're getting everything that you need, you're looking at everything you need to, but not spending so much extra time. You know, be knowing that you know, we're doing a great job getting quality data, but still being quick and efficient and all of the technology and stuff available is what is what unlabels us to do that.
4: I I agree with all those points and um, I, I think you know quality of data is probably the most important thing. And I probably find myself including more descriptive data on the data sheets than I would have previously. You know, you can dictate you know whatever you want into those fields, comment fields and it may not look like English when you're done saying it, but you know what you meant and you can go back and fix that. When you get back to the office, you can do that.
1: So. Yeah, that's great. So that kind of leads me to like sort of a second tier of that question. So maybe Chris, you could go ahead and keep running with that. But, you know, leaning into that movement of data, you know, I remember, you know, I remember we used to have to like take, you know, chips out of GPS devices and plug it into something and all the conversion of data and things like that. Are you, are you finding that movement of the the data from field maps and from ecobot into your uh, reports and your uh, gis software
4: I mean there's a steep learning curve but once you get all the kinks lined out it's 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 fairly seamless and the nice thing is if you use you know, if you use an arc pro and your field maps data synced you know you can add it straight from portal into your project so all your data is right there on your device on arc pro immediately as are the attachments i don't think i could go back any other way like i don't want to carry a camera i would just i like to use my phone i don't want to carry another gps and i don't want to try to sync the track to my photos to geotag them because that's just miserable sometimes. So it's just nice to have. You know, everybody's got a phone in their pocket now. You've got. It's a great tool, and uh, it's rather sturdy tool based on what I've done to mine. It still works. So I'm, I'm embracing technology.
1: We heard a funny story. I think it was last summer in the spring. We had someone who was a recent graduate who went in the field. I believe, yeah, with Kimberly Horn. And they had, it was their first wetland delineation and they were using EcoBot and didn't think anything about it, of course. So we talked to them, like, yeah, whatever, it was cool. Yeah, yeah, it worked. Like, great. Then we got a call three weeks later. Holy cow, like, I just went on this other project and this office doesn't use EcoBot. We had to use paper forms. I was like, what are you doing? Like, what is this? My idea started actually working in the Cherokee National Forest, Chris. I was doing uh, TE and Delineation work out there for the Forest Service. And uh, I was just like, man, I wish I had a little robot that would help me with this. And so, of course, my imagination is thinking a little R2D2. So, Tremble made the R2 for us, I guess. But, uh, you know, when I, when I launched EcoBot with my founder, Lee, he's just like, the thing that's in your pocket's more powerful than the computer that they used to send the first astronauts to the moon. And they're like, oh, yeah, there it is. Like, there's the space that we can play with. In respect to innovations. So.
4: And another thing I'd like to point out on that, Jeremy, is um, you know while we like the Arrow 100, if you're just going out for a quick assessment, we really like Garmin Glows.
1: Okay.
4: Um, we just stick those in our field vest. we don't need to delineate at high resolution, you know the Arrow can get me down to three to six inches in an open field pretty easily, and it gets good in canopy. But if we're just doing a quick assessment, we just throw the Garmin Glow in our vest and. Nowadays, five feet is terrible, but uh, you know, right. that's <laughs> but it's it's good enough for just quick assessments.
1: Yeah, and I think you know, on behalf of like you know, so I use the uh, the R1 most frequently. I also use uh, an EOS arrow occasionally as well, just to play with different things. Um, someone had asked earlier how some of these units work with heavier tree canopy coverage, etc. So certainly if you're going to be in Heavy tree canopy coverage. You want to go towards the R two or the EOS? What is I think? I mean, is it the? Are you doing pretty good with the uh one hundred, Chris, with tree canopy canopy coverage too?
4: It's it's been good. I have no complaints. Uh, but there are there is a next, and that's sort of base level. But there's a next level uh you can go to. I think there's two other levels that are you know gets yeah, up a survey grade.
1: Gold is the one that I think mm-hmm. we've been playing with. of the gold.
4: Yeah. So and and the thing I like about that is the lightweight. It's half the weight of the R2 and it's smaller to drag through briars.
1: Yeah. So one of the you know as a kind of a tandem off of that there's a question from Erica just asking about the cell signal. So, you know, again, I think we spoke to this a little bit, but you don't need cell signal for EcoBot or for field maps to work. If you do have cell signal, then it enables you to do some extra things and potentially you can send data up to the cloud so that your GIS manager or somebody, a project manager back at the office can look at things that you're doing out in the field, but you don't need to have any cell connection. Most places that I'm working in, most of these guys are working in, probably do not have cell phone connection either. And so, yeah, major, major difference there. So uh, one of the things, you know, this is, uh, I guess, primarily for Chris. How are you finding that segue back and forth? Like when you're using Field Maps and using Ecobot. I mean, for me, I just literally switched from app to app. But like, how how have you seen that current workflow on your side?
4: I mean, what we usually do is, you know, we'll take the boundary points and then go dig our pits, you know, our final pits, and it's it's seamless. I mean, other you can have them both running on the same device and just you know double tap your your button or, you know, they're both there. So it's it's no issue at all.
1: Yeah, let's see. Uh, Oh, I know one of the questions I wanted to ask that we kind of spoke about early before we opened up the room to everyone was in terms of dashboard editing. You know, Chris sounds like you're using that a fair amount. I'm not sure how much uh, Jennifer and Erica are using it yet. But when you do go back and do dashboard editing, do you find that there's certain things that in your workflow that you're focused on more, more frequently. So uh, maybe Erica, since you haven't spoken in a minute, let's jump over to you.
2: I do use it. I don't use it a ton. I really try and get most of what I need when I'm out there, but when I do use it, it's, you know, to go back in or edit some vegetation or if I happen to put the wrong project information as far as like maybe the project name that's another thing that's really nice is it just keeps, you know, like once you enter that information, it's there. Whereas like when you're transcribing data sheets, you're putting it in every single time. What's the project name? What's the section township range? What's, but it is really nice to to also use it on a computer and it's very easy to just quick make a change and save it and you're good to go. Right. Jennifer, have you been using the dashboard editor?
3: No, honestly, I do stick more to the iPad. Yep. But I'm uh, going to explore the dashboard more now, though.
1: All right. So it sounds like you're similar to me in that way. Chris, I know you're using it a fair amount. You want to talk about your side of that? I, I think it's, you know, we
4: mostly what Erica was talking about is just, you know, fixing uh, the header stuff sometimes. And, you know, I do dictate notes and... Words look weird and don't come out right. So I'll just go back and redo those, you know, comment boxes sometimes because the, the series not well suited to wetland delineation, you know, just in and, and the species identification. You know, I like the key things out. So,
1: yeah, that's great. So there's another question that came in asking if anyone is using Ecobot solely for transcribing their, their muddy chicken scratches from the field. In in the office, uh, I guess using that dashboard. I know that there are some people that are doing that, but I think most people are gathering the data in the field um, in Egybod mm-hmm. itself. Are you, are any of you gathering paper notes still, and then transcribing that when you get back to the office?
2: I did it a little bit back last season when I was starting to kind of get used to the flow. Where if I was like concerned about a data point, like I would I would like mostly write down what I wanted to add, and then add it later. I mean, doing it that way doesn't really maximize the efficiency of EcoBot. Um, it's definitely possible, and you always have such a nice-looking product in the end. Yeah. Um, but definitely, I would I would recommend doing it from from the beginning, because that's where you're going to have your most time-saving.
1: Yeah, all the calculations and the indicator status and, yeah, rolling everything up. Yeah, I think it's good. One of the questions that came in from uh, Robert Burnt was how long did it take for you guys to, uh, his words are, get good at using the ECOBOT software. So maybe, you know, like how I think is it, how long did it take you to become efficient with the utilization of
3: it? You know, it's it's so easy to use though. Like it really is. So it it didn't does just doesn't take that much time, you know, just kind of more getting used to where things at, you know, how you're going to add the data and, you know, Exactly that. Just, yeah, basically getting to getting used to where everything is. And then after that, you're just set because it's just so straightforward. I I don't, I don't remember having any issues at all. Jumping straight into it. It's just like, okay, cool. Here's this. All right, great. I think it's
2: so user-friendly and it's also just super intuitive. I mean, I didn't have any issues and I'm not like the most tech savvy person, but just even the way it's set up with some of the dials, um, it just makes it super easy. Like with the soils, um, you're not sitting there typing out YR. Like there's a dial, you click it, you know, four, six, you know, it's so intuitive and so easy to use. I think anybody could probably do it very easily. There's really very little learning curve if you've used any apps at all.
1: Chris, you want to add to that since you've been around the block like myself?
4: You can use any app on your phone. You can use EcoBot,
1: right? So, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty simple. Um, So, a couple like short questions that I want to answer. One is there a way to access local soil survey data? So, yes, there. If you do have a data connection, there's actually a soil lookup where you can actually see where you're geospatially located in the in the field, and it'll tell you what unit you're in. However. I would suggest if you're going to be working in an area that is uh, going to be most likely outside of cellular or data connection, that you think about utilizing field maps so that you can just download those soil uh, shape files into your background tile and then just have that as your reference for your bullet. Um, Someone else asked if this works in Canada. Um, I'm aware that Canada, a lot of the Canadian provinces are using sort of a, a... similar derivative of the Army Corps' protocol. Um, So currently, we have not put the official Canadian forms in, although they're almost identical in many ways to some of the uh, U.S. forms. So that's something that we are working on. Um, So I guess as a final piece there as well, what regions have this been calibrated for? So uh, ECOBOT has been uh, is built so it covers all of the regional forums. So not just the continental U.S., but also Alaska, the uh, the, the Pacific Islands, and Hawaii, as well as the uh, Puerto Rico and the Caribbean islands and territories, as well. So we do have we do have folks using those in those areas as well, especially the Caribbean, and Hawaii. So um, I think the last question. I know we have a f- just a few minutes left, but one of the fun questions that I always like to ask. What do you love about your job the most? And uh, I'd love to start with, uh, with Chris and roll back. What do you love about doing wetlands work and natural resources work?
4: I like to just be outside and not be in an office all the time. I like to see new things and I like new challenges. And I feel like wetlands can be challenging, especially forested wetlands. They'll make you scratch your head. But yeah, I just like challenges and being outdoors, I guess. Great.
2: Erica? I love the aspect that I get to go out in the field and I get to play outside the mud. But I also like the fact that I get to come in and I get to work on writing reports. And I feel like I'm using like two aspects of my brain. And yeah, I like that there are unforeseen challenges all the time with doing field work and navigating
3: those. So um, I love it. <laughs> I really do. Jennifer? Yeah, I mean the outside portion um uh, definitely. I also like seeing areas that are yet to be developed. You know, I, I think it's kind of like a cool insider look on, you know, they're going to build an apartment complex here. This is what's here before. Just kind of like or even areas that have been developed around or you know, before impact. You know, it's, it, I love thinking about, you know, what was this area like before, or just kind of getting a glimpse of of history in a way a little bit. And then also just, you know, Kind of being an advocate for these wetland features, you know if, if they are protected and playing a part in that, I really appreciate that aspect of of my job, kind of like you know, hey, you know we need to protect this. We're trying to per- give some uh, ideas on how to you know navigate, change a project or something like that. I really like that,
1: yeah, and and I do as well. And I think you know I just want to honor you all and honor the other participants in this today for the work that you do and being a voice of science and a voice of uh, reason in these interesting times that we're in and making sure that things are done in the proper way. Yes, we're going to have growth and we're going to have change. What are things going to look like in the future? And part of what we are all doing is helping to shape that in a good way and respect for, um, our natural resources so that the next generations have something to look back to as well. Thank you for listening to the ECOBOT
0: podcast. If you like what you heard, take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. If you'd like to learn more about how ECOBOT is helping transform the industry and to see what we can do to help your company, you can find us at www.ecobotapp.com. I'm Jeremy Shady, and I'll see you next time on the Ecobot Podcast.